Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Ozen here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty, Dominic Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Charlie Butters. We're going to get into it real quick. I'm going to go over what's on IWTV, then I'm going to kick it over to my co-host, Jayhawk, who got to sit down with Arthur MacArthur this week. So let's get into it. What's on IWTV? So Tuesday, March 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern, New South Pro Wrestling presents Action Clash episode 29, followed by 9 p.m. Eastern Heavy Metal Wrestling Mall Madness episode 1. Wednesday, March 31st at 7 p.m. Eastern, Limitless Wrestling, The Road, Season 3, Episode 6. Followed by 10 p.m. Eastern, Paradigm Pro Wrestling, UWFI Contender Series, Season 2, Episode 2. Thursday, April 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern, Beyond Wrestling, Signature Series, Episode 6. Followed by 9 p.m. Eastern, Fool's Paradise. Saturday, April 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern, East Coast Wrestling Association, Night of Unusual Matches. And also, Saturday, April 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sean Henderson presents Russell Cup 2. And Sunday, April 4th at 9 p.m. Eastern, Pizza Party Wrestling, Cake Over. And that's what's on IWTV this week. And now, let's get you to that interview. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of IWTV Guide. I am Jared J. Hawk Hawkins, and I am being joined by fresh out of the AIW Training School. You've seen him in AIW. You may have seen him in Southern Underground Pro, Flophouse Wrestling, a lot of different places, really. The strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur. Arthur, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. All that stuff. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, and you can probably hear him coughing in the background there. You've had a rough couple of days here. Yeah, you know, uh, we were supposed to record yesterday, and, uh, you know, as, you know, some people may know, I've been dealing with a bit of a stomach bug. I think I had some bad Waffle House or something. You know, of all the times I've had, you know, they had to uh, get one back on me, I guess. But I'm alive and well and ready to get this going. I don't think you're officially in the wrestling business until you've gotten food poisoning a Waffle House at least once. Uh, well, it's good to be here. I get, well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I agree. I always find it interesting when people in the wrestling business tell me I've never been to Waffle House. I'm like, that's pretty much impossible. That's like the only thing open after a show most of the time. Yep. Either that Denny's hell, sometimes Applebee's, uh, every now and then some people go to IHOP, but yeah, Waffle House is kind of like the Mecca for people traveling on the road and wanting a quick, cheap six after a show it's it's probably my go-to if i'm being honest i guess i should ask if we're on the subject of where to go after a show are you a sheet guy or a wawa guy oh i'm absolutely sheets 100 percent. you know i've actually never been to wawa for like anything wrestling related uh i used i went to wawa once for something unrelated and it was just i don't know man it was just i didn't like their selection of food i just wawa is not for me i'm team sheets all the way I do normally agree with you, but like the last three times I've tried to order at the one sheet through the app, they're calling something that I order that they're that they're out of. It's getting annoying. Mm-hmm. 
I like, I know it's a corporate thing because the app itself it doesn't differentiate what can actually in stock at your location, but it just it get, gets annoying after a while. Oh, yeah. I I just do it all in person, I guess, when I go. All right. All right. So, yeah. Talk, talk a little bit here. Obviously, coming out of the AIW training school, you've trained with Dominic Garini. They bring in Josh Prohibition. They bring in some other guest trainers. Uh, how, how has your experience been with that? I know there are people who look into the show looking into wrestling training. What can you tell us about it without getting into too much detail? Obviously, I'm sure they don't want you giving away everything. Right, right. Um, well, where, where do I start? I, you know, the training at AIW, as far as like this area is concerned, is, is just it's top notch. The bee's knees. It's everything you need. You know, um, some places will emphasize. You know, there's some schools who will like have like courses, ten week courses. Like, hey, here, here, learn wrestling for like ten weeks, and then you're on your own. Here it's it's it, it's not like your traditional wrestling school, I guess you can say. You know, um, you know, I still go regularly Tuesdays, Thursdays, whenever, trying to get the ring time as much as possible. And they really emphasize every little thing that matters. You know, it's you you, you never stop learning in wrestling, I guess you could say. You know, to this day, you know, even with two years of active experience past, you know, debuting, I'm still learning to this day, and it's. And that's why I think I've been getting better and better as time has gone. You know, some people will just coast their career and they really won't seek that extra ring time. And, you know, it, it shows sometimes. But, yeah, the training at AIW is just top notch, you know, especially with, like you said, they bring in some of these guest trainers, you know. Uh, we've had a couple private seminars we had, you know, not too long ago we had Brian Myers come in. And that was just a a whirlwind of experience, you know, to jot down. And obviously we've had other seminars done before, you know, we had Ultimo Dragon not too long ago. Actually, that was a while ago, but you know, we had him, we had Billy Kidman do one for us once, did a match for him once before I even debuted. And that was, that was an experience in itself. But yeah, man, the training you get at AIW is just, I couldn't recommend it any further. And I, I've heard it said, and I do kind of agree with it. If you get to the point in the wrestling business that you're not learning anything, it's time to get out. Yep. You know, everyone thinks they have the answers. Well, the way I see it, you know, if you're not, if you ain't signed, you know, some top dollar contract to some promotion, you know, maybe you still have some things to learn. I don't know. Obviously, everyone's path in wrestling is different. You know, some people can can make it quick. Some people just have to go on the longer road. You know, guys like Kevin Steen, you know, Took him 13 years to sign with WWE, for example. But, you know, like, <clears throat> it really is important to just keep learning as you go. And, and I feel like a lot of the learning outside of training comes from just actually going out there and doing the damn thing, getting as many reps as you can. Okay, now, like I mentioned at the top here, you've been to a number of different places lately. What's been your motivation during the pandemic? Because I know, like, I'm... The plinking I work generally don't have TV deals. There's not a lot of film like I film it myself. So it's hard for me to really branch out because I just don't have the footage. So, mm-hmm. I, so motivation kind of left me for that reason. But if, yeah. as, far, as far as you go, you've kept yourself in good shape even when you when you weren't working during the pandemic. Now you're getting your name out there. You're going all kinds of plinking. What keeps you motivated? Oh, uh, well, like you said there, just getting my name out there. Uh, I You know, and this is not a shot at anyone. Obviously, people have different lifestyles, different, you know, ways of living. But I, the way I see it in a pandemic, you know, a lot of people are sitting out and a lot of people are just taking a step back, you know, for safety. And that's their personal choice and that's fine. But, 
someone like me who, you know, I see this as an opportunity, you know, to get out there. When someone sits down, it's time for you to stand up and to, you know, get that working. You know, I can't imagine sitting around doing nothing for almost a year, almost doing nothing and not progressing, not going anywhere, and especially at the stage my career was at. Because when the pandemic really hit, I would have only been a year into the business and I had about less than 100 matches I'm under my belt. And I'm just thinking to myself, I cannot freeze here. I cannot, for the life of me, let my career stagnate. I, I got to keep things going the best that I can. And obviously, during that first bit of the pandemic, like for like three months, there was absolutely nothing going on. So it was what it was. But then once I saw those opportunities coming out, like, you know, you may have seen me and some of the guys go to Michigan, of all places. And they were doing these really wacky shows, like, behind people's houses and stuff. And these weren't, like, backyard shows, but, like, they were in people's backyards, if that makes sense. Um, And obviously, not the, the greatest look, but, like, it really got me the reps and experience I needed because... I can't imagine going to places like Southern Underground Pro or back to AIW with the, the uh, skill level I had at that year mark. So just really getting out there during the pandemic and just, you know, I, I had to step up. I, I couldn't act like it was an excuse to stay where I was. Absolutely fantastic. I And as somebody who followed you basically from that first match, I'm really happy to see uh, where you've come from. Uh, that match with Jada Newman at Southern Underground Pro that aired this weekend was really good. And I, I would not, have, if I would have known you had two, only had two years experience, I would have thought you had five kick minimum. Oh, for sure. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so one more wrestling question here, and we'll start talking about some other things. Get to know you, you and Caperton a little bit better. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, as far as guys you have not had a chance to work with yet that you would like to that are still on the independent scene, who would you say hit the top of your list? Hmm, actually, I actually do have a list of this. One second, let me pull it up for you. Because I got a bunch. But uh, where is that? Where is that? 2021 goals. Oh, here we go. Uh, well, I'll, I'll name a few. Um, obviously, I was supposed to wrestle Levi Everett at Flophouse, and then that show got canceled, and things kind of got muddied in the water. But uh, that's still on the table down the road. So Levi Everett is obviously up there. Really think it would be a great clash of characters right there. Um a Cleveland legend and somewhat similar to what I do, Marion Fontaine, I'd love to, you know, work with. Um, that would be fun. Absolutely. Uh, now, I technically did wrestle this guy before in a tag match, but I'd love to work him uh, against him in a solo match, you know, not pre-show or whatever. That'd be Hoodfoot. I think he's someone who's really taken off. Solid dude. Definitely love that. And also, I'd like to work with good old Bastard Cassidy. Uh, he's always a joy to see. I love I love his hard hitting style, unapologetic, never scared, and I think he's someone to look out for once things open up even further. What about a curtain caveman out of New York? You want to ruffle that okay, dude? <laughs> look, I, I I I'll be honest, man. I I don't think that guy is like a legit wrestler. I it's just just scrolling through his social media, you can tell this guy is not in the right mind. And maybe I shouldn't have picked a fight or try to instigate him, but it was just too goddamn funny. Like, how could I not? <laughs> but, I, I, I bring it up a little bit. I've seen a lot of talk on social media about bigger companies dealing the independent gimmick. And I'm convinced that 95% of the time, like, they don't know you've done that gimmick. There's somebody else had the, happened to have the same idea. I mean, that happened in the wrestling business. 
I I saw that happen. Um, and I'm not, maybe you know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to you know bury anybody or put anyone's name out there. But I saw this one little small group in like the Akron area have a claim to a name to a group that uh, AEW is starting to use now. And they're going on a tangent, you know, saying, oh, we're the real this, that, you know, you guys stole our stuff. And I'm just like, they don't know who you are. And it's a very common word that they stole. Like, you're nobody compared to, you know, it's like, don't do that. It's embarrassing. I actually manage that group in Akron. Like, oh, I definitely know who you're talking about. And I had the same reaction you did. It's like, yeah, Dutch Cock, you've been trying to build the brand, but... Yeah, it, we weren't widespread enough for Tony Khan to be like, "Hey, we're taking the, we're just going to take the." Just, it, it, that wasn't the game. No, it, it just it was just a pure coincidental accident. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I mean you, I'm sure you look at most of the gimmicks in WWE. I'm sure, yeah, there's somebody on the independent, independent team who's done something similar to just about everything at this point. There's really no original ideas. I mean, there are, but they're very few and far between. Everyone's inspired by something. Hell, I'm inspired from people, so I'm not going to claim full originality. Actually, actually, let's talk about that. Well, what what are your inspirations? Um, well, gimmick wise, character wise, obviously, you could see guys like you know the vaude villains. You know their little theme, how they're they're going. Um, I look obviously for more character stuff. I look towards like the actual old school strong men from back in the day, you know, Arthur Saxon, hmm, I may have stolen his name from that. Who knows? Uh, Louis Sire, you know, guys like that on the, on those old tiny posters. Like I kind of go for that look or as far as wrestling goes, I've watched guys like Cesaro really, you know, you, you've probably seen me through a lot of euros lately. I kind of got inspiration from that, you know, just all these strong style moves that are just really try to define who I am. You know what they say, if you borrow from one perk and it plagiarism, if you borrow from a lot of people to research. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure Cesaro stole from other people, you know, and vice versa, vice versa. So, Okay, let's, let's get away from wrestling a little bit. I know you're a, a Cleveland sports guy. You're a Brown fan like I am. Absolutely. What do you think of some of the moves they've made so far with the cost game? Uh, well, so far, so good. You know, obviously that defense we had was just had so many holes in it, you know, you, you especially saw it in like the latter half of the season. You know, our offense just, we had it, you know. And then once, you know, you, you saw us versus the Jets when our offense was out that game, our defense just could not hang. And obviously, you know, you can't lose half your fucking team, but the losing to the Jets was just inexcusable. And if we had the proper defense, you know, we had a healthy defense, I think we would have been fine. But um, I saw what was his name? John Johnson. Is that his name? Get signed? Yeah, I, I, I love I love that pickup. He's a he's like a mild Garrett type of game changer. But back in the secondary, I love that pick. We need that, you know, especially him and Denzel Ward at the same time. Whew, forget about it. You know, I'm trying to think of who else we picked up. I, I it's not off the top of my head, but I think most of our offense is still around. Thank God. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make kind of an un. Uh, this might be an unpopular take in the Cleveland area, but I honestly, at this point, I would try, I would trade OBJ and get and try to get some draft pick and and maybe and maybe like a halfway decent receiver for him. Because mm. one, because once he got once he got injured, that really when the offense started clicking. I think they've been trying to they were trying to fork him the ball early on, and that's why it took yeah. so long to get on track. Right, you know, and I will say though, OBJ did have some really good plays up until that point though that season. The prior season, yeah, I could see he wasn't 
wasn't really performing. But, you know, look at games like versus Dallas. You know, he really stepped up. You know, we, we put 40 on the Dallas Cowboys. That was great. And then uh, but and before that, he had some really great plays. But, like, yeah, like you said, people were concerned. All oh, the season's over. But, like, if anything, we almost kind of improved a little bit without OBJ. And maybe, maybe it was kind of the sign for Baker to realize, hmm, I don't need to keep feeding it to OBJ. I have a whole arsenal of weapons. Let's use it. Maybe OBJ will understand that going into next season. We'll see. Let's just, I mean, yeah, I can see the potential of trading him, but we better get something out of it. Oh, absolutely. I also mean, would love to know why we don't go into eye formation more with Hunt and Chubb in the back in the backfield. You put them both in the backfield at the same time. No one knows who's going to get the ball. That would be something, you know. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't have an answer for that. You know, I've noticed we don't really ever run our fullback ever. And sometimes I forget we even have a fullback. I could um, see that for the NFL like a whole at this point, though. I mean, really, third and one is when the fullback comes in. You don't see him otherwise. Nope. Never. I don't, did, did our fullback even run this season? I don't. I can't remember. He was out there a few times, but, yeah, I, it didn't come up often. When you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt, like, I mean, it's like, come on now. But yeah, you know, it's not, it's not the worst idea. But then again, you'd, you'd like to keep them both, you know, refreshed and healthy, like one and one. And I thought there was a great balance throughout the season, you know, especially when Nick Chubb got hurt. You know, Kareem Hunt had to step up. And the homeboy who was third string really, you know, stepped up. Dernis Johnson, I believe. And he, you know, he filled the void the best he could. As somebody who's old enough to remember those teams in the mid-80s with Kohar and Slaughter and Newcomb and Dixon, it was nice to actually be proud to watch that team again. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously and you're a lot older than me, and so I wasn't around for those teams. But, yeah, you know, it's great to great for someone my age to have a good team to watch. You know, the last really good team I can remember watching was in 2007 when they missed the playoffs. They were, what, 10-6? and six? Tennessee can miss the playoffs. The Colts got their starters against the Jets, who had to win the beat to overtake us. Yeah, I, I remember that. I was pretty mad. You know, Derek Anderson randomly had a Pro Bowler year, and then never did anything after that. It was, it was really weird. But yeah, that was a a strangely good team. And the last time yeah. we made the last time we made the playoffs before this in two thousand two, uh, my my friend got married in two thousand one. His first anniversary. His wife bought him tickets to the last game of the season against the Falcons. And it was one of those deals where we weren't expected to be that good. And my friend's like, it's just a football game. I don't care. And he gave me his extra ticket. And I wound up being, and if they won and the Jets lost, that they made the playoffs and they end up, and that ended up happening. Yeah, that's that's the most electric atmosphere I've ever been a part of in a football game. That was just, that was just a great experience to be there for something like that. Yeah, I can only imagine that, especially you know, with the team had just recently coming back a few years prior to that. And then they took a 17-point lead on the Steelers, went in the prevent defense in the third quarter, couldn't figure out why they lost the game. I could still try to yeah. push David for that, quite frankly. Yeah, that is, that is kind of mind-boggling, but, you know, it is what it is. It was nice to not only beat the Steelers twice, but take, not kick them out of the playoffs. Yeah, that was, you know, I got a lot of uh, Steeler friends out here and some family, and it's just, it, it was nice. They had nothing to say, you know, for all the shit talking they do. And it's like, come on, man. Let's own up to our failures, huh? It boggles and my mind. Now, you actually live closer to Cleveland, so it's got to boggle your mind there's going to be Steeler fans. I'm, like, real close to Youngtown, so I'm, like, right in that halfway point. Mm-hmm. And I just go, I'd love to get a lot of good-natured ribbing going on, but really there's not. Like, people go, like, you really get angry at each other over football, and I'm like, you know, it's football. 
passionate game, man. I don't know what it to is. say. And, um, yeah, you know, and I remember when we won that first game, everyone's like, oh, you didn't play the real Steelers, blah, blah. You only won by two. I'm like, yeah, win's a win. All right, let's see these real Steelers. And then, so fun fact, I didn't, I didn't get to properly watch the game. Okay, so I did, but I didn't. Like, I was in the car driving from a, a show, and we were watching it on my phone. Uh, and we saw the score was like 21 nothing. I'm like, oh shit, what the fuck's going on here? And then all of a sudden it's 28 nothing. I'm like, okay, we got something cooking here. And I'm like, are these the real Steelers? Cause it's not looking really good. Yeah, we were actually recording this podcast during that playoff game. I had to keep trying to hit my mute button on my microphone. I'm watching the game on my phone while we're recording. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, you know, that, that was just a great season overall, you know, and then we get to the Chiefs game, and that was just – that game was winnable. You know, obviously, I think the Chiefs outmatched us. But, man, we really – I think there was a real big opportunity for us to win that game, and we just, just kind of let it slide, and it, it, it's too damn bad. So we'll, we'll see what next season brings us, man. But it's just yeah. – oh, A lot of good things this year, and like they make, I like the move they made the off season. If they, if they have a good draft, yeah, who knows? Oh, absolutely. The funny, even funnier part about that playoff game is my fiance doesn't like me watching football in the house. Uh-huh. She went to one game with me, like right when we first started dating. We were been together maybe eight nine months. We we're playing the Bengals, and they were winning uh-huh. the they were winning the entire way. And then, like right at the end, they won that prevent defense, and here come the Bengals marching down the field, and somebody broke a tackle and looked like they were going to get the, the the touchdown, and they got tackled like the eight yard line or something like that. And I'm screaming and I'm cucking, and when they got the tackle, I just kind of clumped onto my chair. The couple behind us is like, is he okay? She's like, yeah, he just gets way into the he, he, uh, he just gets way into the game. There's no problem. And the husband go, I have a nitro pill in my pocket right now. He can have it if he wants. Like they thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> I've I've experienced that from other people around me at games. That's what's really funny. Yeah, no, I'm not supposed to watch football in the house, but with the curfew going on at that time, it's like I have to watch the game at home. Like if you don't want me watching the game at home, blame yeah, you know, blame Mike Dewine. Like I don't know what you want me to do. Oh, absolutely, and, you know. Hope, hope to God, you know, next season we can have more, more of a capacity. You know, I could actually go to these games. You know, there was a couple times I wanted to go. The tickets were so cheap, but like, I don't know, people couldn't go, or the weather was just so bad. And looking back, I kind of regret it. But hey, it is what it is. And those really cold, bitter winter games are fun if they win. They are horrible if they lose. Absolutely, that's the gamble with it. I'm, and I'm getting, I'm getting that point in my life. I don't want to stand out in the cold for four hours. I just, I just don't want to do it. Nah, it's not worth it. You're a video game guy, right? Oh yeah. All right. What kind of game do you play? Well, I, I'll be honest. I haven't really played much games as of late. I've been kind of taking a break, waiting to get this PS5 coming in. Um, oh, good luck with that. What was that? Good luck with that. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been a disaster. Um. I guess the last game that I, I was really, really into, I, I was playing Witcher 3 a little bit. I loved uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Really, that, I spent many hours just traversing all the uh, old country roads and all that stuff, gunslinging and all that. I loved Elder Scrolls. Um, for a while, I loved playing the old Battlefield games. Battlefield 1 was also really fun for me. Um I, I guess an old an all timer for me right now is Skyrim, but I think it's time for an Elder Scrolls Six. It's about you know after my tenth playthrough, it's about time for something new. 
Yeah, I'm real big on the role-playing type of games. Like, I'm a Final Fantasy guy from way back. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of people think I'm weird because I liked Final Fantasy IX. It's like, that was my first Final mm-hmm. Fantasy game. That's really kind of why I like it, that kind of nostalgic thing. Uh-huh. But I jumped on that Final Fantasy Kevin remake. Like, that's what I don't pre-order games, like, at all anymore, and I pre-order that, like, way ahead of time. Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I never never got into any of the Final Fantasy. It just seems like there's so many. It's like, where do you start? <laughs> Well, the good thing is, for the most part, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you start with, like, Final Fantasy VII and then jump to twelve, like, it doesn't matter. Like, 8 through 11 had nothing to do with either one of those two games. Huh. You can pretty much just kind of pick one. I look at, like, Final Fantasy X that actually had a sequel. And even then, it was Final Fantasy X-2. Um, and, and obviously, you know, one of the one of the favorite games I had played uh came from the N64, of course, and that was, like, some of the old Mario games on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paper Mario was, I definitely loved playing that one growing up. Uh, obviously, with friends, playing Mario Party. Mario Party 2 and 3 were top-notch for me. Yeah, Mario Kart was always fun, too, but you get to throw stuff at your, at your friend and knock him off the road. Oh, yeah. Mario I think Double Dash was, like, the one that did it for me. That blue tortoise shell came in handy so many times playing my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh man, and all the all the uh, arguments that would start, especially you know going back to Mario Party, you, you you pick that golden lamp and you just get the star automatically, or you just steal someone's star with a a boo bell and just yeah, that caused a lot of fights in my house. I, I love people fight over video games. Like you're trying to do the same thing to me. Like why are we arguing over this? That's what I'm saying. He gets passionate, I guess. Okay, so you mentioned Skyrim. Why can you do the MMO and that type of thing? Um, I'm not really big into MMOs like that because, um, uh, let's see, I guess the one, I, I, I dabbled a little bit into World of Warcraft for a little bit, and I think it was back, uh, I, I forget when, but I, I, I played it for like a month or two, and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm not, this isn't really for me after all this time. I, I, for a while, I got back into old school RuneScape for some nostalgia and got pretty, you know, high into that. And then afterwards, I'm just like, this is just way too much grinding for me. I, I don't want to sit here for hours doing the same thing over and over again to get some XP for some of these impossible ass quests. You know, I'm not getting level 72 farming to go do some stupid quest. But yeah, MMOs, I can get into. Yeah, my biggest issue with MMO and why I don't play them a whole lot is it's not even so much that I don't necessarily want to play with Strangers Online, but it's so hard, even if you're on the team, on the same guild or whatever, to get everybody on the same page with what to do. Oh, yeah. And they're always that one guy that those are going to do what they want to do, and it screws the entire guild over, and it's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, even playing, like, NBA 2K or something, doing somebody online, like, five-on-five mode, like... You're trying to play a team game, and there's always that one guy that gets the defensive rebound and, like, runs around the entire court trying to get around everybody. It's like, dude, you got teammates packing. Oh, yeah. I, I I can't handle team sports like that. I'm like, you know, there, there's this one free basketball game on, on PlayStation. It was uh, three, uh, 3v3 or whatever, freestyle, and you just get the worst teammates ever because they're complete chuckers. They will always go for threes, and it's like, bro, stop. <laughs> and they miss every single time. That's the best part. Kind of like the people that play Madden fourth and fourth and forty three from their own four. Let's go for it! Oh my god, that drives me nuts. Yeah, I Madden is a game I haven't played in a while. It just seems like they don't update it to the point where I want. It's like a new game. It's always the same thing almost. Yeah, I, yeah, I picked up I picked up Madden twenty one this year. The first Madden game I've played. 
I think in the PS2 day, I don't even think I played anything in the PS3, honestly. So enough time gone by where it felt like a new game to me, but I can definitely see that argument. That's actually kind of why I stopped playing Madden when I did too. Uh, I mean, obviously from like the PS3 to then, it'd probably be a big jump. But like between a couple of years, it's it's not that much different. It seems almost like the WWE 2K games. Like it's basically the same game with a roster update and maybe one new match type. Yeah, and I'm I'm low key glad there was no WWE 2K22 or whatever because 2K20 was just it, it was it. That was just a, I, I I saw all the gameplay, did not buy it, and I'm very thankful I did because it just looked awful. That one came out, the day it came out, I had a bunch of old games I was going to trade in, I put them in my car, I went to work, and like on my break, I was looking at all the feedback, how broken the game was, I'm like, okay, I'll hold off on it, and it looked like they never got the game unbroken. Like, okay, well, I'll, I'll stick with 2K19, I've actually, actually do a lot of Fire Pro Wrestling World right now, got, got the New Japan license, so you, and you go, and it's been like four years ago, so you got the Omega, and that, those kind of guys in it, that era. Mm-hmm. And then everybody creates wrestlers and upload them online. So I've got like I've got old school guy back to Luthez. I've got current WWE guy, AEW guys. Like you can pretty much just do whatever you want to do on that game. It's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. You know, um, obviously they're still making uh, people in like game modes for No Mercy, which is incredible after all these years. Yeah, I never got a chance to play that. I did not have an N64. I almost, wow, bought, you, I almost, I almost bought a used one just to play that game, and just never got, never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah, you really, you really should. Honestly, it's. I think that could be considered the best wrestling game of all time. You know, not even for like the Well, it's a pretty solid, easy gameplay. You know, it's very nostalgic for those who love the Attitude Era, obviously. And I don't know, it just, it just flowed so well. And obviously, the story modes are pretty cool. I guess the only glaring flaw of that game was the lack of entrances, but they packed so much into the game, they realized, oh, shit, we don't have enough space for the entrances. If you're going to cut something out, that's the thing to cut out. Like, I'd rather the game play nice than get Mr. Kennedy coming out doing a whole, doing a whole spiel, you know? Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, this is no mercy we're talking about. This is, like, some really great entrances. This isn't, but yeah, I get what you're saying. And that's true. If we were talking attitude error type of thing, you're making like Gangrel entrance through the stage, which was one of, one of my favorite entrances ever. I don't even think Gangrel's in this game. That's the must part of this. What year did that come out anyway? I'm going to look that up real quick. No Mercy came out, I believe, in the year 2000 or like, yeah. Sounds right. That's what I want to say. Yeah. November 17th, 2000. So Gangrel might have been gone by then. Yeah, he definitely was. Well, that explains why Gangrel's not in the game, but... I think he was supposed to be. I think he didn't, like... I think his parts are still in it, but it's... Like, he's not, like, a pickable person. But who knows? And then, of course, I went to... When the PlayStation 2 came out and they did that first SmackDown game for it, it was only, like, eight-story arc, and it all took, like, 20 minutes to play. It's like, okay, well, this game is boring as crap. Uh-huh. Uh, I never got into the, uh, the SmackDown games prior to SmackDown versus Raw stuff. And that's when they really started getting good, when they started doing SmackDown versus Raw. I do wish they would bring the GM mode from those games back, but that was always fun. Oh, yeah, that's... I don't know. It's, it seems like the fans ask for it for every year, and they never deliver. I'm, I'm still unsure why. Realistically, and, if we played it now, it would probably be like, why are we doing this? Like, we don't get to play the matches. It's looking dumb, but... Hmm. But I, I'm, I'm a TEW guy, too. I play TEW all the time, just book stuff. So I, that doesn't bother me. 
I, I I've heard about this TEW, and I gotta I gotta look more into it because it sounds like it'd be something fun to do. Yeah, basically, I mean, you have to download mod for it once you get it because for licensing purposes, they the default mode is just a bunch of creative guys. But I've got a I've got like a 1983 scenario downloaded on it. I'm running WWF 1983 on, and you can you can guys like Rocky Johnson and Pedro Morales and Don Morocco just having a blast with it. That's hilarious. And like guys die while you're playing it too, so you're like in the middle of a main event push. All the kind of like Bob Backlund could in a car accident or something. You got to pivot. It's really really neat. It's not neat that Bob Backlund died in the game. I'm just I'm just throwing out you're throwing out a feature of it. That's, God damn, that's pretty dark for a game. Though. I can't imagine SmackDown versus Raw, you know, having a thing where all of a sudden, oh, sorry, John Cena was shot today, so we're gonna <laughs> have to change this match up a little bit. Uh, they're, they're trying to accumulate real life as much as possible. So. I guess so. I've had other versions of it where like none of the Von Erichs die until like 2012 or whatever, too. So huh. go both ways. I see. Well, can't there? Then one of the SmackDown versus Raw game have like an Undertaker storyline where he had to fight like all the different versions of the Undertaker at the end. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with that, but that sounds about right. They, I feel like all the SmackDown versus Raws and all this stuff had some really goofy storylines with the Undertaker. Like I remember there was one time they had Eddie Guerrero steal the urn and like control him, and like there's a bunch of other supernatural like over the top stuff you wouldn't see on TV stuff that they would do with the undertaker and it, it just it was too much i used to enjoy the create a storyline thing and and download some of the story people would create and see how ridiculous they were like this is why you don't work for a major company oh god i remember that one now that you mentioned it <laughs> yeah there were there was one where there was one i played with somebody got up got somebody stole all the cooking from catering and it wound up being vince mcmahon stole the cooking uh i've got the baby faker come there like really ridiculous that's that sounds about right Stealing all the cookies and shit. Like, think of why you don't write for a major wrestling company. Like, every time you have no right to ever complain about creative now. Like, it's a good point, actually. <laughs> all right, we've gone about 35 minutes or so. I know you're still not feeling real well. I'm not going to keep you too long here. Anything else you want to cover? Anything you want to plug? I'll, I'll give you the floor. I got you, man. Um, as far as stuff to plug, you know, um, I got, you know, obviously, if you don't have me on social media, you know, I'm sure you'll tweet about this, whatever, but you can follow me at strong MacArthur on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram, Arthur two underscores MacArthur. Uh, I have a Facebook profile for Arthur MacArthur. You can add him, but just don't tag me in, in shit. It's getting really annoying. I'm going to start blocking people. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean that though. I'm getting all these weird, like I saw this guy tagging me in like a, a thing for like weight loss pills. It's like, bro, Stop. <laughs> oh, I I, uh, I used to get tagged for like Oakley sunglasses and shit. It's like, I dude, I, no, like I'm not paying. I'm not gonna not gonna pay two hundred dollars for a pair of sunglasses, no matter who makes them. And like, you don't need to tag me in this shit. Like, I'm just, like, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Like, you had fifteen, you, you had fifty mutual friends. I assumed you had something to do with wrestling, but otherwise, fuck off. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, um, as far as that, you know, got all my merch stores for all your Arthur shirt. And other stuff needs big cartel. I have a brainbuster store now. You can always check out. I also have a pro wrestling tees account if you so desire to go there. But other than that, that's pretty much all I've got. Okay, and if and I'm gonna plug it April 29th and 30th, AIW return. I'm coming to be part of at least one of those shows. I'll be at the Friday night show April 30th. There you go. Looking forward to seeing you there. 
you're in the Northeast Ohio area, check that out. Well, you're not gonna be able to. Well, you're not gonna be able to get tickets for it. Both shows are sold out, but I'm sure they'll figure some way out of streaming it either Fight or IWTV. So. Yeah, they'll definitely have it for stream. Arthur, like I said, normally we would probably go another 20 minutes or so, but I know you're still not feeling 100%. I'll go ahead and let you get some rest. Thank you very very much for doing this, and we may do this again down the line. Oh, absolutely, man. I'll be seeing you, man. Thanks for having me. As always, check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, At Odds with Wrestling, the Spotlight Series, and its Evolution Baby. And check out our other friends, PWPonderings.com. Use promo code PWP for five days free. Big Starks brand, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, Good Company in Cleveland, Ohio, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, Kayfabe Collectibles, Action Wrestling, Paradigm Pro Wrestling, and Southern Underground Pro. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charlie underscore Butters, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at IWTV Guide. Wear your mask. Black Lives Matter. Talk to you next week, everyone.